0: Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon.
1: All right, let's go ahead and log on to menti.com. We love to be interactive here on Sunday mornings and we like to have a little conversation, have a little dialogue, and you're, you're really going to, uh, I think, like, I don't know if you're going to like this first question that I got for you, but it, it may be a little controversial, so you definitely want to go ahead and log on, because I know you're going to want to uh, give us your input. Uh-huh, Laz took out his phone. He's ready. I, I, he's ready for some controversy. No, it has nothing to do with Coach Prime this Sunday, nothing to do with Coach Prime. Pray, pray for our boy. Pray for our boy. All right, well, we are uh, studying out the book of Acts together. That is a series we are in, everyone, every day, everywhere. And what that means for us is we're studying out the book of Acts in hopes for every one of us to maximize our impact as we partner with the Holy Spirit every day to share the gospel everywhere. And so during this series, what we're doing is we're learning about everyday disciples, that God used uh, to make an eternal impact, an impact that we are still uh, feeling today. Um, And so I wanna go ahead and jump into that first question. This this comes up up a lot in in, in our church and I just felt like it was time to just deal with it. Let's go ahead and put up that question. (laughs) You know, there's, there's just so much. Android users, you can only vote once. I know what Android, I know y'all gonna try to double or triple up your votes. But we just need to deal with this right now. We need to call out the sin in our church, the areas where we are weak, so the Lord may strengthen us. You know, there's. You know, the, the church is only as strong as our weakest link, you know, so. We got to know how, how we got to, you know, be there for our brothers and sisters who are using androids. You know what I mean? So, um, it's, it's okay, you know. To, <laughs> narrow is the road, Samantha said. And, uh, you know, the, the, in the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you, Android users. In the kingdom of God, the last will be first. Amen. So, so YouTube. Oh, hey YouTube. We didn't say anything. To you. Hey YouTube. Y'all say hi to YouTube. Hey YouTube. Hey, YouTube you know, I'm not even. Gonna, I was gonna say something else, but I think we're gonna. Hey YouTube. You can vote as well. Oh, I was gonna say something bad as well. The Holy Spirit is real. He's like, you're good. You're good where you are, you know. You're good where you are. You got you, you got folks that are visiting today. They don't know you like that yet. You know, they, they're in the family. All right. Uh, the reason why I ask that question is because today I want to talk on the uh, topic of calling. Our calling. So let's go to the next question. What is your calling a, a calling is defined as a strong urge toward a particular way of life or career a vocation what is your calling what is your calling to teach to preach I'm uh, sorry to help people to share wealth is our oh I like that calling wealth Who, who's calling it I want to be I, I want to hang out with you to serve, inspire, and motivate entrepreneurship. Let's let's uh, let's slide up, let's scroll up and let's see some more of these here. Psychotherapy, bring more to Jesus. Have no clue. That's good. That's why I'm preaching on this today. Empathy. It's the pastor, that's right. Come on now. Hit me up afterwards. I'll be in the back to say hello to me and, and we can we can work on that. Um, to serve those, the less, that's really good. Financial stewardship, baking, I love it. I like, we, got, we got the mouse. I like that. I like that. Show us which other ones do we need to highlight. I like that. One time for our AV. Can we just give it up for our AV real quick? They do a great job. Well, if you, if, if you have identified your calling my next question is, who's calling? Who's calling? That's an important question. I know it was for me growing up because when I was at home and somebody called us on the phone, you know, I, I did live in a day. We still had rotary phones. My stepdad actually had one on on the wall, I actually asked us. I asked the church this week: Does anybody have a rotary phone? I would love to use it in my illustration. The Pulse, the Singles Ministry was like, "What is that?" <laughs> and they just started making fun of me, y'all. I mean, I could, I got the receipts. And somebody said, "You know, you should ask Miss Bev and, and Mr. Bob. They they may have one. You know, you got one." Next time, next time. <laughs> so so I, I don't know about you, when I was a kid, the answer to this question um, determined whether or not I would have to lie on my mother's behalf. What, what do I mean by that? What did that look like? That looked like, ring, ring. Hello? Uh, may, I, may I speak to uh, Olga? Um, yeah, who's this? Uh, Oh, it's so and so down the street, Susie. Okay. Hey, mom, the uh, phone's for you. And then she would ask a question Who's calling? <laughs> uh, it's Susie from down the street. On a good day, sometimes it'd be the bill collector, sometimes, you know what I mean? Good day Susie down the street. Tell them I'm not here. Like, they just heard me call you, <laughs> cover the phone. Fo- Mom, I just, I just, I, they know you're here. I, I felt bad as a kid. I just called you. Tell them I'm not here. Miss <laughs> uh, Susie, she's not here. But I just, click. <laughs> before caller ID you had to pick it up to see who was calling tell them I'm not here listen if she didn't want to talk to that person she was not talking to that person It, it, it had to make sense it didn't just matter who it was it mattered what she was doing what time of day it was was she cooking was she doing chores was she preoccupied doing something else Was she on good terms with this person? Tell them, I'm not here. But when the right person called, oh, she was no longer busy. T.T. Alice, hey, girl, how you doing? Yeah, She vacuuming and talking on the phone. She's fine. She good. Sorry, mom, I had to put your business out there today. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. When the right person calls, you answer whose calling matters. In Acts 16, Paul received a call. And I shared this passage in Acts 16 at our uh, men's leaders workshop that we had at the retreat. But I wanted to put a little bit of a a different twist on it so that, uh, you know, all of us in the congregation could really um, benefit from it. So Um, Let's look at Acts 16. In context, this is uh, Paul's, um, one of his missionary journeys, I believe his second missionary journey. He went and had just stopped by to to recruit Timothy, um, to train him up. And uh, the first thing on the list for Timothy was to get circumcised. I won't go there today, but that's a whole different lesson there for another time. Um, But after that, in Acts 16, starting in verse 6... Let's read along. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mysia, and then they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus, did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Maesia to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across to the island of Samothrace. And the next day, we landed at Neapolis. From there, we reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we stayed there several days, whose calling matters. They concluded it was from God, what was happening here? They were on a mission, missionary journey. They were going to preach the word. And if you could show the next slide and show this map, and you can see kind of the journey they were on. They picked up Timothy, then they were going up through Galatia, and they were trying to go north, and the Holy Spirit said, no. nope." <laughs> That's right. That's right, baby. That's No? Nope. So they said, okay, we're going to keep on going. And they tried to go south, and the Holy Spirit said, "Nope." No? We don't like no. We don't, we don't like those. And so finally, they ended up uh, at this seaport, right, and, and they get this, this vision. He gets this vision. Paul gets this vision. And it's, it's called the Macedonian call because this, this man was calling out to them, please plead and please come here and help us. And they concluded that it was God who was calling. Now, I know for, you know, at at different times of our lives, we can be thinking about our calling, right? Most of the time, as young adults, uh, younger people, we're thinking about our calling. What's my purpose? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What am I passionate about, right? We think about those things. Whenever we have transitions in life, we think about that, whether it may be graduating from college, whether it may be getting married, when you have children, you, you, you Go from, you move from one city to another. What's my calling now? Uh, Yeah, children, you just go into a different season. Calling matters, right? Sometimes, even as we get more mature in age, we may be in a different season. We're thinking about, okay, God, what is my call? What do you want me to do now? I know what it was before. I lived that out, but what now? And so, I wanted to, to talk about some keys to our calling. And the first one is this their calling came. After closed doors. And like I said, we don't like no's. We do not like closed doors. We don't like, especially when we're trying to do something good for God. God, I prayed about this. I want to serve you. I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to do good out here. All these other folks got open doors, and, and they out here living crazy. But, oh, you just open up the doors for them, huh, God? But when it comes to us, I'm knocking I'm trying to open that. No, uh-uh, it's not happening. Why, God? But you know what I've learned? I've learned that sometimes closed doors help us more with the way God is guiding us than open doors. Because when something is shut and it's done, and that, 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 it's done, it, we, the, the, the book is closed on that part of our lives, that opportunity is done, that means I can move forward. I go, like, okay, God, that's not what you wanted. Now, when I have three open doors, that's a little harder. Man, which one do I walk through, God? You know, it could be tougher. So I've come to be grateful for the closed doors in my life. And what I notice is that sometimes God is trying to see, am I really going to be humble and submissive to his plan for my life before he opens the door that he has for us? Because if we get stuck at that closed door, we never move forward. It's like, we're just not ready for that open door. We're not ready to really be... Sub- it's not about... We get so caught up in what he wants us to do. You know what? God is more concerned about who we are in the process. There's a lot of different opportunities. Jesus asks people, what do you want? (laughs) He gives us a lot of opportunities. But he wants to know more than anything, are we going to be submissive to his will? How are we going to act? Are we going to be spoiled, rotten little kids that get mad, throw a fit because we don't get it our way? Or are we going to wrestle through that and ultimately submit to him? Closed doors can be a blessing. Closed doors can be a blessing. The cool thing about that that leads me to my second point, their calling came on the go. And so they didn't stop there at that closed door. They were moving ahead with their Already, really, what was their calling was to preach the word, right? They were on a mission to help people. They just didn't know where God wanted them to go. And so they were moving forward. And what happened was along the way, because of those closed doors, when God finally made it clear where they were supposed to go, they were closer to that place. There were no detours on the path because of closed doors. And they kept moving. I say that because... I encounter too many people that are suffering from what I call calling paralysis. Paralyzed by our need to know our calling. What does that mean? I really don't want to go all in on something until I know that God, this is what God wants me to do. We say that. But what we really mean is I don't really want to go in on something, uh, all in, until I am positive and sure that I'm going to be successful at what I do, that I'm gonna be good at what I do, that I'm gonna be able to, to, to know what I'm doing, because we don't like to be in situations where we're not prepared. Oh, we don't like that. We are educated, successful, man, in, in our careers, we like being prepared. We know how to study and train for stuff. So you're talking about going out there and doing something. I, I don't know how to do that. Do you have the Holy Spirit? you tell me unschooled, ordinary people knew what they were doing in the book of Acts? Right? The beautiful thing is God used what they did know. Right? They're gifting to help accomplish their assignment. Which kind of leads me to this. See, I, I, I wasn't called to be a pastor. There's there, nobody, I never, I never, I, I never. I can say I can I can say that confidently. I never felt the calling to be a pastor growing up. Ever ever. And my mom would tell me the the, the, the you know people that prayed over me and prophesied over me, who oh, this, this is going to be a man of God. You ever had that? Y'all? Yeah. You got a calling on your life. They got the wrong person. That ain't me. I wanted the world. That's what I wanted. But guess what? When I became a Christian, my calling became clear. My calling was to help people. I remember writing down a little sheet of paper. Man, right after I had gotten baptized, I, my wife makes fun of me because I, I write things down on little scraps of paper, little post-it notes. That's how kind of I, I got to get my thoughts out sometimes, and, and they're all over the place. And, and I wrote this down, on, and I put it up. I just want to help people the way people have helped me. I knew that. That was clear. That was my calling. That was clear for me what I wanted to do. Now, one of my assignments in this season of my life is to lead a church that is helping people to help people. Amen? That's an assignment in this season. It's been a long season, but it's (laughs) in this season of my life, right? That's my... So I have my calling. I have my assignment. Now... My gifting helps me to accomplish my assignments. See, I want to make those things clear. Sometimes we get those things messed up. Well, I'm gifted at this, so I, I'm called, I, I should be called to do something that I'm, I'm, I'm only gifted at. No, <laughs> that may not be the case all the time. Sometimes we are put in positions in, in, where we don't know what we're doing. You know, like I shared about the men's retreat. I've been in a lot of those positions. It's like starting a school. How do you start a school? I don't know, but I'll learn. God, if that's where you're leading us. Right, And so are we willing to be vessels for God and are we willing to move forward even when it's, it's, it's not all clear? Maybe it's just that next step. Maybe it's just that next open door. But I know it's much easier to direct a moving object. If we are on the go. I learned, I learned that I wanted to be a pastor just simply because there's an opportunity to help more people. There's an opportunity to serve uh, the Pattersons who I love dearly. And I said, okay, I, well, I would love to, I, I, it, was, it became my dream. It became my goal to lead a church simply because I just, I just wanted to help people, right? And so as we go and as we're living out our calling, we don't know how God is, what different assignments that God will give us along the way, right? Um, and, and, and then give us all the resources that we need. Because I, the scriptures are clear. He's going to give us everything we need for life and godliness. That's right. He's going to provide for us along the way. If we continue to be on the go and trust the Holy Spirit, as Jesus says, I will be with you to the very end of the age as you go and make disciples. Okay? The third one, keys to your calling. Lastly, their calling came from God. Whose calling actually matters? They were urgent. It says... Because they concluded that it was God calling. They concluded. How did they conclude that it was God making that call? You ever feel like that? Is this God? Is this what God wants me to do? Is this what I want to do? Is this what my friends want me to do? What my, what my partner wants me to do? What my spouse? Want? I mean, is this really God calling? And then we can get stuck there. Right? How did they know? How did they know it was God making that call? Well, number one, it was in line with the word of God and the mission of their Lord. That's clear. Going to help somebody was in line. <laughs> right. it, it, you know, people, everybody should be making disciples. Yeah, right. Well, I don't have the gift of evangelism. Everybody should be evangelizing. That's, that's, well, I, I don't know if serving is my gift. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> everybody can serve. You could do something for somebody else, right? And so, number one, we got to understand, it's just in line with God and with the mission. Number two, how did they know it was God calling? Because of the closed doors. It was clear then God had closed these doors it had prevented them. God had said no. And so, they were like, okay, if God can close doors, he can also open doors. And now we're here, and so... Because of these closed doors in my life, now I can see clearly that God, they were in a position to hear from God, right? A a heart position and where they were at physically, they were there like, okay, what do we do next, right? Sometimes when we push through doors that God doesn't want us to go in, then we're detoured and we can't even respond to the calling because we're too busy doing stuff we ain't supposed to be doing. And I'll just call that, let's just say, that may be good stuff or it may be sin, just straight up sin, right? And we're all worried about this other stuff. And we can't, we're can't. we not even in a position spiritually or physically to respond to the calling. But they were because of the way they responded to the closed doors. And lastly, they knew it was from God. Why? It was a team effort. What does that say? It says the scriptures say they concluded. It wasn't Paul. Paul had the vision. One man had the vision. One man received the vision. The team confirmed it. They confirmed it together. This is why I say this next quote, a calling without confirmation is a red flag. That's a red flag when one person decides, you know what, this is what God told me to do. There's too many people make a mess and justify saying these three words, God told me. It's like th- we live in an age where, where we can just do whatever we want, God told me. God told me God. I'm like, how do you know God told you? How do you know? Well, is it in line with the word of God? Is it in line is it is it, is it in line with, with the mission of the Lord right and, and have you confirmed it with other like if God told you that what is God telling the others around you? Are you submissive enough to even ask and get advice to say I don't know I feel like this I'm I, this is where God is leading me this is where God is calling me I did have a dream I did have an epiphany in my quiet time with the Lord I did have this advice that was given to me but Man, I, I I want some confirmation, Lord, from you. And God often uses the people around us that we trust to help offer that confirmation. Do you have people that you trust the Holy Spirit in them? We can't, I, I can't lead this church if I didn't trust the Holy Spirit in our leadership team, in our elders, in, in the sisters that lead our women's ministry. I, I just, it'd be a one-man show. We talk about team approach all the time and being submissive to spiritual authority That includes one another, the authority that the leaders have within one another. I don't have all the authority. The lead pastor in any church shouldn't have all the authority. The Spirit of God has all the authority, right? Jesus has all the authority, and you work in that. And so even as you see us making decisions, it's us. It's like, okay, God, what do you want us to do? And sometimes God gives me a vision. God gives me direction or other people. And we talk it through to figure out, okay, is this God calling? Whose calling matters. Not in like who is actually calling you, but whose calling is it? Who does this calling, uh, who owns this? Who does this belong to? Does it belong to you or does it belong to God? We We can become idolatrous around our calling. And is it our calling, or is it just what we want to do? Is it motivated by selfish ambition or godly ambition? That calling produces ambition. Ambition is not wrong, but where is our hearts in the matter? And a lot of times, we'll be able to see that by our humility, by our ability to put our calling up on the altar and sacrifice it up to God, and say, God, what do you want to do with this? I'm a vessel. What assignments do you have? I feel like this is my, what assignments do you have for me? God, how can you use my gifting to accomplish these assignments that you have in my life in this season of my life? Because I trust that the way you did it in the past, you're going to do it now. You're going to do it in the future for me as well. And I'm going to tell you a story in just a moment. I think it will help us. Um, But first, I want to see what happens when they responded to God's calling, when they answered God's calling Let's read this together here in verse 13. On the Sabbath, so they get there, right? They get there. On the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I'm a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. This is beautiful. This is so amazing. When we respond to our calling, we, we, done, we went past that closed door and, and that closed door, and we got to that open door, and God just blesses it. We go that first day on the Sabbath to the riverbank, and there's the open people, and she just wants to become a Christian. I love it. Isn't that great? And you do the right thing, you follow the Spirit, and it leads you to what you thought you were on the mission for, what you prayed about to be able to help people. Boom, there it is. Thank you, God. You should celebrate that. Be happy. Enjoy that. <laughs> We're going to read it in just a second. It's not always the case. I just want to point out a beautiful thing here about this passage. There's a few beautiful things here. One, their relationship with women back in, the, in that day, right? How they went, they crossed that boundary, um, and, and they spoke to the women. They loved up on them. They shared the gospel with them. I mean, I'm so grateful uh, for the Lydia's we have in this church, right? I mean, this, I mean, church was started because of that. I mean, it's just amazing, right? The other thing I think that is really, really beautiful is that part where it says they ran into him. Where where were they? They were praying already. They were praying already. It says a woman who what? Who worshipped God. She was already a God worshiper. And guess what? She had a lot of it on, but she didn't. She, she was missing this, this, this piece about Jesus. She had a relationship with God. And I think this is so beautiful because for some of us, we come in maybe even to this church, right, and we're already worshiping God. We love God. And maybe sometimes there's something in the scriptures that we were missing that gets pointed out to us. And the question is, well, how are we going to respond to that part as well? And then the challenge is going to be, are we going to get prideful about their being secure about our relationship with God? Or are we just going to obey that as well? Because she was already on a journey. She was already on the journey. God just brought Paul and Silas and that group along, along to that riverbank at that day because there was something else she needed to learn. And what she needed to learn was about Jesus and she needed to go ahead and get baptized for the forgiveness of her sin. I mean, that's what she needed. Some of us are out there today. Maybe we don't know where we stand before God. Maybe we do or we thought we knew. I wonder if Lydia thought she knew already. But what is it say? Is it the Lord open her heart to the message? Will you allow the Lord to open the heart to his message? And it's just the word of God. If somebody tells you stuff that's not in the Bible, please don't do that. <laughs> but if it's in the Bible and you're having a hard time opening up your heart to it, maybe you'll just pray this week. I just open my heart to this. Let's keep reading here. They didn't stop here. Um, I think it's because they, this calling, this vision they had was from a man. And so they said, okay, well, we got to keep going. We got to find out who this person is, right? And so the mission's not over. We, can, we can't leave yet because we know that they stayed there for a while and then they left, right? So verse 16, one day we were going down to the place of prayer. We met a slave girl who had a spirit that enabled her to tell the future, she earned a lot of money for her masters by telling fortunes. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God, and they have come to tell you how to be saved. They tried to run the play again. Let's go back to the place of prayer. It worked last time. Let's keep doing it. But this time they meet another woman, a slave girl, demon possessed. But she's telling them, <laughs> she's telling people, these are, this is who you should follow. like. Listen to them. You know, I, <laughs> You ever had that happen to you? People that ain't right with God, but they're sending people your way. You know what I mean? (laughs) That happens on campus all the time. There's students, they're they're not Christians. Hey, they'll help you though. Go to those people. I love that. (laughs) Verse 18, this went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned and said to the demon within her, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her and instantly it left her. So they help another person. Now she is free from the demons. Still another woman, but the vision was for a man. So, who, who is this? Who's this man? Verse 19 Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities at the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They are teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them. Stripped and beaten with wooden rods, they were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. Don't miss that. Stripped, beaten, severely beaten, and then thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon, the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Some of us don't even sing at church. I doubt you'll be singing in jail. If you can't sing here, (laughs) we got to get our weight up, y'all, spiritual weight. I'm talking, we got to hit the weight room, spiritual weight room. I mean, come on. And the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, stop, don't kill yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for light and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized in the middle of the night. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them, and he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. They found their guy they found who they were being called to help now we love the part where it was easy go to riverbank find lydia but what about when our calling leads us to being beaten stripped and thrown into prison do we question our calling then and do we sing and pray when we're in the prison they had a chance in that moment to get vengeance the jailer maybe he had been part of the beating maybe not but he he locked them up in the inner dungeon they could get they had their chance go free get vengeance or stay They didn't know this man was going to be open. Think about that. They just try to save his physical life. Just don't kill yourself. We're not going to leave. He said, they saw him he was going to kill him. So they said, we won't leave because I don't want you to kill yourself. This person who was their enemy. And through that love and mercy, the jailer's like, oh, my goodness. What must I do to be saved? Um, At this time, I'd love to go ahead and call up um, a couple that I think can illustrate uh, some of the calling that we're talking about. Um, So if we can get the Andres to to come on up. Leslie and Roxanne, come on up. We're going to just do a little interview here to end out our sermon. uh, Because I think it's important uh, to go ahead and talk about practically and realistically, like, how does this apply to our lives? And especially, how does this apply to where we are now. And so, you know, at this time, where we are as a church, one of our big initiatives is we want to plant a church in Sandy Springs in the fall of 2024, okay? Um, where that came from, <laughs> that's a story in and of itself. Um, at our height of our growth back in like 2012, 2013, we actually – Started another church, another ministry, a campus up in Stone Mountain. So we had two. We had one in East Point and one in Stone Mountain, right? And so we were growing. God was raising up leaders. We had the leadership to start a new a new campus, and and God just put it on my heart. I, I literally woke up from my sleep one night, um, went into the office and wrote down another scrap piece of paper, the vision God had given me, and literally it was just a circle that represented 285. Four churches in each quadrant and one in the city. And I just held on to that. And I said, man, this is this is what God is calling us to do. And so talk it through with the other leaders and we were moving forward to start more churches in that time. And then we had church conflict in 2015. And so we were going through a lot of growing growing pains like we talked about last time. Um, but we were we were honestly in a similar place where we are now, like just experiencing growth and excitement, good times, right, and just moving with the Spirit. And then that happened. And I was like, wait, God, I thought you had given me this vision. Like I thought this was supposed to happen. And then after that, I was like, okay, well, let's regroup, let's grow, let's, let's kind of let's get ready to, to learn what we have to learn and relaunch again. The Spirit was with us, helped us to survive and then start thriving again. And then in uh, in... We went. my wife and I went to a church planning assessment because we started looking at, okay, what organizations are there that will help us plant a church so we don't have to do it all by ourselves, right? And so we went and so we're still thinking about this dream, right? This vision that God has put on our hearts Um, and we get back from that church planning workshop assessment and our dear brother Kavi passes away that weekend. A tragic accident. And it's like, Everything I learned just went out the window. There was nothing about me thinking about starting a church at that point. And yet we were in the process of relaunching the path in 2018. I don't even know how we got through that to relaunch. We had consultants in and we talked about what the vision of the church was going to be. And then honestly, this vision that we had, we had talked about a lot of stuff. We got input from the members. Once again, I wake up in the middle of the night and it was as clear as day to create churches that mobilize the next generation. Wrote it down, a little scrap piece of paper. Go back to the board. Go back to the leadership team. They confirm it, like, this is who we want to be and, and what we want to, to accomplish. Now, here's the thing. Somewhere along the road, like, along that line, I remember taking that little piece of paper with the circle on it and the four church, five churches, and I ripped that thing up. Why? Because it felt like I was, <laughs> this wasn't how I thought this was going to end up. And so we go into 2018, 2019, and 2020. So I had given up on that, really. I'm like, God, we could just have one church, really. I don't, God, I'm fine. I surrendered. (laughs) Give it to you, Lord. And then the pandemic hits. And it's just like one thing after another, but in it we thrive, we grow, we get a building, we get the hub. We knew we needed that. Along that line, we didn't know if we're, where, where we were going to have church because we were meeting at a school. The principal changed. We're like, we should get a building. Well, I'm tired of being homeless. Like, we don't want to be nomads anymore. And yet this came along. And so now we're like, okay, now we have this hub, and now God is raising up leaders. We're growing again. God has given us an opportunity, right? We don't know. We, there was a point we didn't know where we were going to plant. We, don't know, we just know that maybe this is where God is calling us again. And so I wanted to tell a little bit about the story of how even now we're like God has made it clear to us that Sandy Springs is where we should start this new church. And I know that we probably don't know that. We talked about it at our leaders workshop, but I wanted to share with the whole church um, even how our Sandy Springs United small group, mission group, even started. So Leslie, why don't you tell us how did Sandy Springs even get on the map? Uh, good morning church uh, my name is leslie this is my wife
2: roxanne uh as um as you were speaking i'm like wow okay i see why he asked us to to speak but um <laughs> uh, and so i mean how how it started in 2021 2021, yeah, 2021 i moved here from jacksonville florida and uh once i got here i think i just had questions in terms of how like where do i like what groups do i join how do i get connected uh with the guys that was here so i just asked around um and then from there i got, i talked to julius i talked to jazz and everybody was in different different mission groups then and then as i got together with them um and we all was meeting via zoom so there wasn't anybody getting close to like getting together. And I think right around that time, we were starting to get tired of of, of Zoom. Um, And then I started to realize the theme that we all live near near each other. Like I would get with with Julius, and he was 10 minutes away from me. Um, I was with uh, with Jordan. Jordan was two minutes away from me. Um, Got with um, uh, the Robinsons, with Tay um, and Jonathan. They were about 15 minutes from me. Uh, And then Roxanne moved to Sydney Springs, and she was 15 minutes from me. Uh, so I started. Uh, I guess I did a survey, if, if you will. So I just, I think I asked Julius. I'm like, "What do you think about having a a, a mission group? Um, like, would you be open to living living your mission group?" Um, and he said, "Yeah, he'll be down." I think Julius was the first person would, who asked me if I would lead it, um, and I didn't. I didn't think about that. Um, I was just thinking about us getting together, because um, yeah, because we were close together. And then I asked. Then I asked um, Jordan. Jordan said he'll be he'll be down. Okay. Um, I asked uh, Jazz what he thinks about it. And if you know anything about Jazz, Jazz is like, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Um, then I asked, I think I asked Mike, um, I asked Roxanne if she wants, okay. she wants to do it with me, because she was leading the reel. Um, and then she, uh, I think initially she said no. Mm. She wouldn't, yeah. She said she would, because she, I think it, it was different, it Was because we didn't know what, what that looks like. Now, were
1: y'all engaged at this
2: point? We wasn't. Okay. No, I mean I knew we were gonna be engaged. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I had I had plans. You had I plans, plans. yes. Yeah. Um, so I think the way I asked it, I think I asked like in bits. Uh, I would just drop hints like, "What do you think about us if we uh, like live in the group?" And she's like, "Ah, I don't know." Like, "Cool, cool, yeah, me neither, me neither." <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I would let a couple of weeks go by, and I would ask again, and then she wouldn't say no. I was like, "Oh, okay. So maybe, maybe this
1: could be a thing." Um, so, yeah. so, so where, Roxanne, how did you say yes? Because <laughs> obviously you said yes at some point. Tell us about that process for you. Hello. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, so I um, I was already co-leading um, a group with Taylor, the real. Um, I will say the real 1.0, because um, what it is now is amazing. Um, but we already had it going. Um, it was a great group. It was an all women's group. It's still it is an all women's group, it's a little plug. Um, and it was just, it was flourishing. We were having so many conversations I never had before and it was really growing my faith. I could also say the same thing for Taylor. And so we were you know, pretty established at that point. And then when Leslie asked me, I was like, I got this thing going on here and um, it's making sense. Like things are happening. (laughs) Um, Point A and point B were matching, it was connecting. Um, So when he asked me, it was just like, I didn't even have um, a basis to start from of what that could possibly look like. Um, And then we got engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, I was like, I wanted to really think about it and not just be like a no. So I asked a lot of people like, hey, you know, me and Taylor already doing this thing, what are your thoughts? I asked Christina, um, talked to different people about it and just like what that could possibly look like. Um, and I was like, I think this would be a great opportunity to serve with Leslie. Um, and I don't know if, I don't think he said this, but one of his, um, his things that he said to me was, I won't do this without you. Um, <laughs> Um, so I was like, okay, <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> pay attention brothers, pay attention. So
0: um, after a lot of prayers, um, advice, um, and just really thinking about it, um, I really wanted to, you know, give it a try. And I just made sure that um, Taylor, um, Bree, Jalisa, that they had everything they needed with The reel before I even made that transition. Um, so I just made sure I gave them enough time to just, like, talk through and, like, what that transition would look like. And then I was like, let's do it.
1: So what happened then? What, how, where, how many people did y'all have when you started? How did you experience growth? What are some of the blessings that have come as a result?
2: Uh, it's, it's been amazing. Um, it's been amazing for, for us. Um, I'm not even sure where to start to answer that. I think we started out with, I think it was six, eight of us. It was eight of us um, at Flower Child. Uh, we got together, and, and it, was, it was good. It was good. And, uh, currently, I think in our group chat, there was 46 of us. Uh, so it, it grew, um, I think, all of us individually. Uh, we got to, like from there, we got Mike Brooks, uh, we got Karina, you got Alexis, you got the Kayla coming in, the Vicks came in, and I think it happened very fast. Mm-hmm. And um, we were just drinking out of a fire hose, really, and, and learning how to, how to lead the mission group from there. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. Um, so along the way, people become Christians, yeah. and souls are saved, the group grows, right? Then, and what Leslie didn't know when I told him last week was that really this was kind of a spark for our geographical mission groups. Seeing this group get together in person and seeing the people that lived around them, then it sparked like for us as a leadership team to think about, well, what if we did that for the whole church? And so you can see how something that started very small, that Leslie was just responding to whatever God was putting on his heart, how not only impacted those group of people, the people that have become a Christian, the Christian as a result, uh, the people that just were able to move in and experience just the joys of being in a small group, but also how it affected and led the church in a way where now we have mission groups around the city that are meeting together in person, um, that could one day possibly be their own churches, right? And so this is a calling for us to be like, okay, man, whether or not I'm I'm thinking about starting, going on this mission team, we're all on the mission field. Like our mission teams, our small groups are called mission teams for a reason, right? Mission groups for a reason. And so what would happen if all of us just responded to the Holy Spirit within us and kept moving in that direction through closed doors and open doors, right? And so now there's a a larger group. We're going to tell you more and more um, about, uh, about this journey uh, over the next few weeks. And then October 15th, if we can go ahead and show that slide, we're going to have our interest meeting uh, for those of you who may be interested in going on this church plant uh, to Sandy Springs. And so you can go ahead, if everybody can go ahead and click on that, um, because I think this is going to be helpful. We want to, we want to hear from everybody, right? And there's going to be different options. There's the QR code right there. So when you get, take out your phones, Go ahead and and get the QR code. What's gonna you're gonna get an opportunity to tell us how you want to help because this is something that the whole church is gonna be a part of. Either you're ready to go, or you're interested and need some more information, or you're gonna be able to give financially or your other gifts and talents to be able to serve, right? Or you're gonna be a prayer warrior for us, right? So everybody can do something. This is something that we're doing together whether or not you decide to physically go on that team. And there's going to be some of us, we go for the first year and come back. I mean, it's going to be all types of things like that. But this is an opportunity for you to make a decision and choose how you want to be involved. And then uh, what we're going to do on the 15th, we're actually going to have a presentation from Dr. Jackson and Jazz who have already decided to lead this mission group. They're going to present to the whole church. Today they're presenting to uh, some of our leaders and our board uh, after church. On, on that October 15th, everybody's going to get a chance to see what their vision is uh, from God and, uh, and get a chance for those of you who are interested to go to this meeting afterwards. So thank you all so much. Give it up for uh, Leslie and Roxanne. <laughs> Roxanne, real quick, just to, just to close out, how did you get connected with the path? With Kavi. Kavi. So think about that for a second. Our brother Kavi that passed away, I came back from a church plant assessment. He dies. I'm not thinking about that anymore. His legacy is helping to start this next church plant. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray for our communion. At this time, let's go ahead and pray for our communion. If you don't have a packet, uh, go ahead and raise your hand and the host team will get that to you. Um, let's go ahead and pray. God, thank you so much for your ways that are not our ways. Thank you for your calling. Help us to answer that call. Help us to be submissive to your open doors and your closed doors. Help us to persevere through the challenging times when we decide to follow your lead. Um, God, because we know if we practice resilience in our calling that we'll be able to experience you in such an amazing way. I mean, as we remember Jesus and this this cracker that represents the body that was crushed for our sins, the juice represents the blood that was shed for our sins. I mean, as we remember your son, we're reminded that he answered the call and it led him to die but it also led to his resurrection and it leads us now to be able to celebrate that death, burial, and resurrection today, every Sunday and really every day as disciples. God, thank you for Leslie and Roxanne. Thank you for the example they've set. Thank you for the impact they've made. Just as everyday disciples being um, submissive to your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the ways they work together, God. Thank you for their marriage. Bless them, Father God. Thank you. Um, I pray that others will follow their example, Lord. I pray for this church plant, God, that you will continue to guide us and lead us through the good times, the hard times, the open doors and the closed doors, uh, but continue uh, to show us the way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about the path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.